Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode 72. I'm your host, Carter E. If you can hear a little bit of a background echo, it's because we are back at Tiger Field up in the, uh, arguably the nicest press box in northern Nevada, I think. I haven't been to every single one, but I think this one probably takes the cake. We are joined by Douglas pitching coach, Steve Sullivan. We'll get to Steve here in just a second, but first we'd like to thank today's title sponsor that is going to be played against sports in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center, your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs check them out online at playedagainstsports.com of course on the other end uh for me is producer jeff mulvahill jr as well so thanks for jeff to be in here steve thanks for being here as well uh how, how are you doing thanks for having me oh, i'm doing great awesome doing great yeah. awesome you know i guess you you sent me a little bit of background about yourself which i appreciate um you know i'm always curious how how people end up in northern nevada you mentioned sure. your your wife was a, a reno high grad i assume that has a little bit to do with it absolutely so i grew up in the bay area uh my wife grew up here in reno or not here obviously but um yeah, we just I wanted to get out of Southern California after after we finished in college and wanted to come up here and you know, I grew up going to Lake Tahoe and skiing and, and doing the, the lake stuff. So I said, you know what, if we're getting married, we're heading north. I don't I don't want to be down in Southern California anymore. So that's what got us over here. And then I assume you've pretty much been here since? Yeah, twenty twenty six years. Okay. Okay. And uh, prior to Prior to stopping here, like you said, you were at Cal State Northridge. Correct. Uh, uh, right-handed pitcher. Yep. Uh, I assume that's kind of how the, the ties came to be to, to want to be a high school pitching coach as well. For sure. You know, when I, my career was short, uh, you know, I tell people uh, I started opening day uh, as a true freshman, and it pretty much went downhill after that. I had <laughs> two arm surgeries inside of three years. So I started coaching in 1991 down in Southern California at a small Catholic seminary. It was it – was, uh, when I say small, I mean like 120 kids total. Okay. So, um, but it was a great, it was, it was a great experience for me. And then I uh, was there for four years, went to um, a larger school in the Valley, James Monroe High School for two years. Um, then we came up here and got married. And, you know, I, I, I did a little bit on the side. I was doing some pitching instruction when I got hired with the Reno Fire Department. Uh, some guys had hit me up, you know, uh, work with their kids in the app bay or whatever. But, um, so fast forward, my son was born, started doing that, went on as a dad coach, you know, started coaching him through T-ball all the way up and through and got here to the high school and Gonzo asked me to join his staff. So I did. Okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, you kind of led into my next question by saying you, your son probably helped re, restart the, the, the vibe. Kind of, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. What's, what's kept you around since, obviously, now that you're, you're still I love in a place here? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's what I do. I'm... You know, I'm super excited. I, I'm coming up on one year left with the Reno Fire Department. You know, I'm down to 12 months and looking forward to just being out here as much as I can and coaching. And I'll be at Line Drive University doing private lessons. And I'm looking forward to that, too. It should be great. Awesome. I'll get just something what I do. You know, I, I nerd out on this stuff, and I love it. Yeah, I'll get to Line Drive in a second because I'm always fascinated to hear uh, what people think about, about Line Drive U, especially as it really gr has grown exponentially over the last I don't know. Would you say decade or so? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and not only at the high school ranks, but at the at the higher levels too. Which, right. like I said, I'll I'll get to here in a second. But I'm curious for you as a as a college pitcher who's had two two arm surgeries, mm -hmm. like you said. Uh, what's I mean? It's kind of the talk of the town with with baseball, whether you're at high school or college or pros. What's is there a? I suppose there's no secret to avoiding um, arm injuries. But what's kind of your your philosophy to to best kind of make sure that your elbow and shoulder can handle sure. handle the weight of throwing for 
as long as you know someone may want to throw yeah absolutely you know um long before i got here you know i was i was you know i back in 2000 i think it was 15 14 i did a carson valley arms summit at line drive university and i and uh you know it was a big presentation that i had for everybody and like you know i don't know it was a 80 frame powerpoint or whatever and i went over everything you know um but the bottom line is you know get into a good routine as a kid work with j bands do your stuff properly warm up get into some long toss and but you know what play other sports i hate to say that but i played football i played mm -hmm. soccer growing up um don't be a one-dimensional guy get out there and, and train and be an athlete and have fun and you know the old saying is you only have a certain amount of bullets so you don't want to run out early but um you know if you don't want to get uh injured and especially in the arm care kind of thing don't play baseball that's the only that's the only thing you could do to be honest with you because it's it's just one of those things that's going to happen when when we play the game and, we're, and you're pushing yourself hard and mm -hmm. you're throwing a lot of innings and um it I hate to say it, but sometimes it catches up to you, no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm sure it pains you to, to talk about this as a pitcher, but it's just not a natural, like no. with, with a weighted ball in your hand, it's not a natural right. motion for the human body in the, it's, in the it's elbow. Not, no. And, you know, the big thing, of course, is overuse injury more than anything. I mean, that's where you see it. Uh, mechanical side of it, uh, you know, it's even to this day, you can't say that there's a pure mechanical model that will help you not get injured. You know, um, there are mechanical variables that you don't want to uh, get into. And, you, you know, um, there are, I, you know, there are factors in the in the mechanics that can alleviate arm stress. But really, it's overuse. Um, and like I said, that goes back to kind of playing multiple sports and doing different things and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, my son went through it too. Uh, he was 13 years old. He was doing everything the right way, right? Um, he had one throw from the outfield, not even center field, and he ended up with a growth fracture on his humerus that was undiagnosed for two years. Wow. So uh, when we went back... Uh, we went into the doctor, got an X-ray. It, it showed it didn't show any injury, so we treated it like a soft tissue mm -hmm. injury. He kept having issues over and over again for about eighteen months, almost two years. Went back in, um, probably went back in a little too late, but it ended up having a growth plate fracture. So he already had uh, bone issues at that mm -hmm. time. He had some uh, big what you'd call like a bone scab on the end of the humerus that was causing him issues throwing. Um, and you know, I felt horrible cause here I am kind of like, you know, want to be this, this arm guy and, you know, helping guys train and, and here my son, you know, ends up with a pretty significant injury. Yeah. It, uh, you know, don't take this too much from me, but I do have a little bit of personal experience. My, my cousin's actually in the minor league system right now okay. and he played multiple sports in high school. And I know that was, that was right. something that everybody recruiting him wanted to see without, mm -hmm. without a doubt. He's also a, a right-handed pitcher. Funny enough. For sure. Um, you know, coming to uh, Douglas specifically, I, I think the biggest, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I guess the most obvious growth has been with Caden McIver, senior right. senior pitcher. I, and obviously, I know baseball, nobody wants to give away all the trade secrets, but I am no. curious what you've seen from him, even from last year to this year, that you think has allowed him to go from, you know, I think his ERA was over four last year to 1.2, right. uh, which is now, and it was zero, under one for, you know, his first 27 innings of the season. No, he's doing phenomenal. Um, and we all kind of know how it, last season ended for him. 
uh, and for us. And he, he wore that, mm-hmm. you know, he, he put it, he put it on himself, which he shouldn't have, but, um, he, he used his fire. I mean, he, he absolutely took that to heart and said, this isn't going to happen again. Um, he, he was having some arm issues and it, nothing significant. I think he was just tired. I think he was just having some soreness in the arm. He, he was, uh, uh, fighting through some things, especially later in the year. Um, so what he did is he shut himself down throwing and got himself into the gym and just committed himself to getting stronger. So you're seeing huge gains from that. He's, you know, he's a tall, thin kid and everybody says to put weight on. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you putting weight on is not that easy. Yeah. You know, it really isn't. So I tell him, you know, don't look at a scale and be discouraged. You know, keep going to the gym and getting stronger cuz you're going to see strength gains way faster than you're going to see anything on the scale. You know, and the, the weight will happen. But um, you talk about a guy who he is just, he is absolutely committed to um, getting better and moving on in the sport. And he's not taking this uh, lightly, you know, and he knows he's got a great opportunity that's going to get him into school and maybe beyond. But, uh, you know, he, he's just doing phenomenal. Like, it's, it's a mental approach for him more than anything. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. I, but I am curious because I've, I've seen him tweet out videos. You know, everybody's got radar guns now. He's, right. I think he's touching touching around 86 from the video I saw. Yep. Um, you know, any other pitch mixes he's got in there? Obviously, like I said, I know you guys don't want to give away no, everything. But. You know, he's got a nice uh, – he's working kind of a curveball slider mix uh, depending on – the batter, whether it's right or lefty, he's uh, he's got a good changeup. Uh, he's he's throwing like a splitty okay. that he throws as a changeup, and whatever feels good for the day is kind of the one he's relying on. Um, but you know, mechanically, we didn't really do anything coming into this year. He he was what I thought he was doing at the end of last year, especially, and which I think had to do with fatigue and and strength issues. Was his posture wasn't all that good. So okay. coming into foot strike, he's kind of leaning over, uh, not, not being stacked over his pelvis. So that creates an issue with your arm angle. So now all of a sudden he's throwing kind of from a lower arm slot than he normally does, you know, and he's kind of whippy and getting really rotational. And I that, I think that put stress on his elbow too but um you know other than kind of that and you know it's funny like you got snooks and these guys and these guys you know they are there's so many resources out there now beyond what when i played of course um that they share ideas with each other and hey try this or do this or whatever but you know really what it was maybe a couple little mechanical tweaks but it's mindset totally and it's his attitude towards like this is my last shot and I'm not letting this get away. You know, the kid's been phenomenal since he was 10 years old. I mean, any, anybody who's seen him back in the days of Carson Valley Little League knows this kid's got huge potential, you know, and his ceiling's super high. So I'm talking to college coaches and trying to trying to get his name out as much as I can. Yeah, for maybe some of our less uh, baseball-inclined audience, when you say foot strike, you mean when he's planting, yeah, right, as yeah, opposed to throw. Yep, yep. And then I guess kind of to follow on that, mechanically-wise for you, is there – how much lenience do you give with with each kid, right? Obviously, everybody's different. Everybody comes in with their own little quirks. But is there is there a steadfast kind of approach you want, or do you kind of work with what each kid has? And obviously, then you you kind of tweak to where you want to make sure. Obviously, nobody's getting hurt, or or what can improve their their game. But how much how much leniency is there there? Yeah, for sure. So everybody, you know, if you're trying to preach one mechanical model, you're going to be in trouble. Right. So there, for me, it's it's um, it kind of starts with the ground, you know, and it, that's kind of like a cliche thing nowadays, but it does. So I want to be grounded into the ground with, with the back foot. I want to have a good anchor. I want to come into my foot strike 
and be firm into the ground, you know, and you just work up the chain, you know, it's, it's stability in the ankle, the knee, you know, um, I want to have something firm to rotate my pelvis around in my upper body, you know, I want to make sure they're stacked over their pelvis. They're not, their posture is, you know, pretty much straight up and down, you know, they, there's a little leniency and everything. I want them going towards the plate, moving directionally really well. And, uh, you know, finishing good, good extension, uh, follow through, getting over that front foot and uh, decelerating, a, you know, at a good deceleration pattern. You know, it's uh, when you pronate into deceleration, uh, those are the kind of things that will help you uh, hit the brakes without throwing a lot of force into the arm where you get that, um, get that recoil action you'll see with, with guys, you know, that's kind of a dangerous movement pattern. So those are the kind of things, you know, you don't, you don't have to like really, it, it, all, it almost, the simpler, the better, you know, move in a straight line, uh, have good posture, don't rip your head, keep your eyes in line and move everything towards the target and you're going to be in good shape. Like, and then we'll, we'll build off that, obviously. Uh, for those of you listening at home, Caden McIver, 65 strikeouts in 34 and two-thirds innings mm. this season, a 0.83 whip, which is basically less than a runner on base per inning, which anything under one is phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah no. And uh, so I guess, you know, to kind of move off Caden, I know you guys have some other other arms that have done really nice. Obviously, Keegan Snooks was was a, a key piece for you guys last year and still is this year. Sure. Uh, Duncan Delange seems to have had a nice a nice uh, spring so far. Uh, what are you kind of seeing from those guys and uh, other other kids on the roster? Yeah, Keegan's going through a little bit of uh, some elbow issues right now. Nothing significant, but, you know, just uh, like like I said, you, you always get a little tweaks, and hopefully he'll be ready to go in a week or so or whatever. Uh, Duncan's been phenomenal, you know, as a sophomore coming up. Uh, we got a lot of young arms that are, you know, they're forced to throw. We're The stable is pretty thin right mm-hmm. now as far as um, guys with experience. You know, Caden's pretty much our guy, and Snooks, of course. Uh, everybody else is kind of playing catch-up, but... You take a guy like Carter Bleeker, we're going to need him for sure. You know, um, he's if we make any sort of significant run in the playoffs, he's going to be a part of it for sure. You know, there's no way around it. He throws too good, and you know, you got Thomas Young, who of course, you know, he comes back and then he, then he's healthy, and then he has kind of the patella injury. Or, you okay. know, it's nothing significant, mm-hmm. of course. You know, it's just a strain, but that sets him back another week. So it's just kind of one of those things where we're. We're a little thin right now, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction as we go into playoffs and we can make a little run at it. So that, that's all my hope. Yeah, you know, I realized right after I said <laughs> line drive was working with the pros, I realized that's drive line. I haven't. Right. So they're a little mixed. Line drive is more locally based. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So specifically the line drive view. <laughs> Sorry. My, my apologies there. Um, well, we like to think we're on that Tells level. you how my brain works. No, uh, I was going to bring up a Sean Mania reference, so I'll, oh, there you go. I'll save that one for, for later because I know he, uh, with the Giants, was doing a lot of work with drive line and has seen his, Absolutely. his velocity tick up this year. Um, right, right. And so, so to that, that off-season program, um, you know, how much is it, again, mechanics working on? Is it looking for an increase in velocity? Is it looking for uh, pitch shape? Uh, is sure. it looking for <clears> – I guess what – is there – I, obviously, I'm sure this varies from from athlete to athlete and where they are skill level wise. But but what's the biggest indicator of off season success for you? Uh, for me, I think just overall strength. Really, these guys need to condition. They're not. And if you're not playing multiple sports, um, there might be an issue with you just uh, not having the skill set in different movement patterns. You know what I mean? Um, if that makes sense. But you know, going back to drive line. 
I don't want to say, you know, I was one of the first guys around here, but I remember I stumbled on Kyle Bodie on his YouTube channel probably back in like 2013. He had like 120 followers on him. Okay. He had like two videos and mm-hmm. that was it. And I'm like, there's something about this guy, man. He, and I told my brother and he got to follow this guy. And, you know, sure as hell, he's, he's one of the premier guys nowadays. But he, he was just, he was speaking a different language. He wasn't like a cocky guy coming off as, you know, like he was some ex-pitcher. He, he was just very straightforward, uh, analytical, you know, he came from a strength training background. I don't know if you know that, but he was uh, like a power lifter coming up. I didn't know. Um, and so his, a lot of his things was strength based. Um, you know, he was a wrist weight guy and, uh, and a weighted ball guy, which then goes all the way back to like Mike Marshall. You know, I don't know if you know Mike Marshall. I don't. Mike Marshall was a Cy Young winner with the Dodgers okay. years ago. And uh, he got his PhD in kinesiology. And he started this Mike Marshall, Marshall throwing style that was just totally, you know, off the wall. If you ever pick it up on okay. YouTube or whatever. But, check it out. Yeah, you'll, you, you don't even, it doesn't even look like he's, he's actually pitching, you know. But uh, he, he was doing these drills with these 25-pound, 30-pound wrist weights. And throwing iron balls into walls, and that's where Bodie got it from. I mean, that was that was kind of the the start of that kind of workout, you know. But so anybody who thinks they reinvent or or you know, there, there's typically a guy back where they're drawn from. But and and Kyle admits to that too. He absolutely pulled from Marshall. Yeah, you know, I talked to talked to all the coaches around the area, and obviously with hitting uh, and the advancement of analytics, but at the high school level, hitting is a lot more fundamental and making sure you're doing <coughs> doing those things right. But I'm curious with, with pitching, how much are you, I guess, A, how much technology do you have that's available to this, but how much are you looking at spin rates or, like I, I said, I kind of like, you know, seeing velocity tick up as kids get stronger. Right. Is there anything anything to that that you put a lot of credit to or at this age is it more just really making sure you're you're more fundal- fundamentally and mechanically sound? It, it's the fundamentals mm-hmm. right now. Uh, you know, for me, though, that's that's the kind of area that I need to, to expand on, you know. And as I get into retirement here, that's what I'll be doing. Um, I do want to wrap Soto and I do want to okay. get into yeah, pitch, yeah. pitch design mm-hmm. and, you know, seam shifted wake and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, my, my nephew right now is a right-handed pitcher at Cal Berkeley. Okay. He's, a, he's a fourth year junior. Um, and we bounce things off, off each other all the time. And he's showing me the technology they use and, and, uh, you know, uncle Steve, you got to check this out, you know, and they'll send me videos and stuff. But, um, that, that is certainly something I want to get into. Um, and and I fully expect to have it. I you know I'll do it at Line Drive, which is so Line Drive is an indoor facility mm-hmm. off of Johnson. Line right, area. right. So um, and um, and then bring it here and, and take it to these guys. So you know I I'm I'm way into it. Um, but that's an area that I haven't even d- dove into and have the technology to use yet. So, but I, I look forward to you f- spending my wife's money. And, <laughs> and, that's, uh, it's and, something and I, it. I personally become fascinated with yeah. at, at the at the big league level. But I know at, at the high school level, it's much more about building sure. building the pitcher first, and then you can go to the micro the micro tweaks. Right, whereas- and, and you know some of those things are just simply like you could take a kid who. You know, you, you talk to him and you say, well, what's what's your best pitch? What do you like to do? I'm a four-seam guy and I like to run a fastball up. And then you look at the the spin rate and, and whatnot from the analytics from, from uh, Rapsodo and you go, you know, you're at, the ball is telling me you should be a two-seam guy. So let's let's work on the two seam and see what happens you know either the spin rate isn't what it is and the in the and the you, you know whatever the ball's telling you it, it's not equating to what you think 
is, should be your best pitch, and maybe we should move in a different direction. And you play with it, and if it doesn't work, then you go back to what was working in the past, so you don't worry about it. But, you know, uh, a lot of things, too, other, you know, whether or not you want to throw a curveball or a slider, you, you could kind of play around with those numbers and see what works best. And, you know, we always, you know, playing catch, I, I always encourage these guys, you, you know, Rapsodo's great, but the guy you're playing catch with will tell you, or he should tell you, like, hey, that worked. What, what did you just do right there? Because do that again, because mm-hmm. that was nasty, you know. Because when you throw the ball, sometimes you don't pick that up. But the guy playing catch with does. And that's why I encourage, like, our catchers. Uh, you know, I tell those guys, like, you know, Caden, you should be your first pitching coach. You know, when you make an adjustment, uh, recognize what you need to do and make an adjustment. You're another pitching coach's Petey behind the dish. You know, he'll, he'll let you know what's working and what's not, whether your arm's dropping. It's hard when I'm sitting over in that chair and I'm on a, I'm a different angle. Mm-hmm. And, so the guy behind the plate has a lot of influence on what is working and what's not, or at least the input, you know, it's what, what's working and what's not. So Yeah, I, w- I don't want to keep you too much longer. I got I'm good, man. Questions can, are running through, running through my head right now. I thought he warmed up. Let's I, go. Uh, I, I guess I'll start, with, I'll start with catching since you, you kind of left off right there. Um, I, I personally can, could vouch to how important this is, but I'm curious to hear it from, from your, your mouth just how, how valuable it is and how much – as you kind of alluded to, it helps the pitcher how much the communication and how valuable that communication is between the two of them. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And personally, when I threw, you know, I was blessed. My, my, my high school catcher, Mike Harrison, was, uh, went to Cal Berkeley, was a third-round pick with the Reds, I believe. He uh, ended up in the Cal Berkeley Hall of Fame. Uh, I go to Northridge, and I'm throwing to college guys, you know. Um, the confidence you have on the mound when you have a good catcher is 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 incredible right i mean that's and and for me if i got a guy behind the plate that i know is going to body up a ball i could throw i could ask for any pitch at any time and not worry about it. guy on third base less than two outs i want to put a nasty curveball on somebody i'm going to call it you know because i know Petey's going to square up the ball and keep it in front of him you know um and then being able to work with you like i was talking about pitch design or you know what's working what's not you know when things when you're in trouble, he's the first guy that should go out on the mound and talk to you. Don't wait for me. Like mm-hmm. I always encourage him, go talk to him. Let him know. Like I don't even care. Go tell him a joke. You know, just get a get a good mindset so uh, you know he could he could kind of regroup and get refocused and go back to one pitch at a time and, and get at it. You know, um, it's huge. And for somebody who spent uh, arguably you know most of your life thinking about pitch design or pitching and pitch right. design, how much is it? being like a kid in a candy store when you're like, hey, maybe this two-seam might work a little better for you, or maybe this cutter might, just this little shift in where you grip the ball and sure. maybe a little bit of, of arm slot. How right. Yeah, how much Yeah, is- you know, that's, and, and I, it's funny you bring that up. You know, I was never kind of that guy, you know. I know that there are other pitching coaches and pitchers who are, you know, really playing, manipulating mm-hmm. the ball and playing with the seams or whatever. You know, I was more of a straightforward, like, Let's just be physical and throw the ball and get after these guys, you know, and that's kind of my the way I treat her now. But now that um, we do have all these technologies, now that we do have these these tools that I could use and, you know, create pitches or pitch design or whatever, I can't wait to dive into it. It's going to be awesome. You know, I'm really looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, it's like a it's like a whole new kind of deal that I got, you know. So, no, it's been great. Awesome. Awesome. I'm trying to think if I got any more. Questions for you here while I got you. Um, have you had the luxury of sitting out at the scoreboard doing any of the? <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, for the so 
like when my son was a freshman here, um, I was approached by the old coach Amaral, mm-hmm. Coach Don Amaral, uh, rest in peace. Um, he asked me if I wanted to come and join the staff, and I told him no. Like I, I just, I just want to be a parent. Like just. Austin's now in high school. I just want to step away and be a parent. And and, and I go when he's done. If and if, if you want me, I'll come back. Uh, so for a couple of years, I wasn't doing it. So I found my way on that scoreboard, and it was nice. He was playing JV, you know. But uh, every now and then, I'd come over here and watch a varsity game or get on the scoreboard. Or if JV had a, a game here on the on the big field, we'd uh, I'd be out there. That's awesome. I love it out there, you know. It's it it's truly one of those old style kind of ballparks, you know. We 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 love it out here. Uh, it needs a little bit of TLC. It's been mm-hmm. a while since we've gotten some money and you know put in the program as far as that kind of stuff. But uh, what a phenomenal place! I mean, look around at these mountains. It's, yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah, I it's, love it here. I I think I tweet out probably once every couple months a view of the the, the mountains back here right. in Job's Peak and just like the view you never really get tired of looking at. Absolutely, it's, there aren't many there aren't many views like that, but no, that is that no. is certainly one of them. Uh, thanks again to Steve Sullivan for yeah. joining us here on uh, Behind the Bench. That's going to do it for episode 72 here. Uh, also, thank you to today's title sponsor in Played Against Sports, your best place to go for gently used and new sporting equipment needs. They are in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center in Carson City, and you can also check them out online at www.playedagainsports.com. As always, thanks to my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. of InstaImage.com, and we will catch you guys next week. Take it easy. Take it easy.